100% on, I'm still not 100% on Mark's actual last name. I think there's a B in it. Yeah, there's a B in it. Uh, there's a B, I think there's an E, maybe an R. Yeah. And that's about as far as I get before that's I... That's it, you got uh, it. For like... Berenstain. Yeah, that, and then I started going like Berenthal, but that's the guy that played Punisher. So, anyway. Well, we're going to dive in here and talk a bit about Diecast Champs, I guess. So, thank, thank you. And, oh, hey, hey, before we go, David, do you want to have him do the thing? Oh, David's skipped the groove. Oh, oh, oh yeah, yeah, it was your idea, David. <laughs> the bumper? Yeah. The bumper. Oh, okay, all right. Hey, Dave, what we're trying to get, anybody that comes on, can you give us five seconds? Hey, this is champion DJK, and you're listening. Watch. I guess we're here. You're watching. We'll say watch. I guess breakdown. Yeah, it'll be video. All right, so, hey, this is champion DJK, and you're watching Diecast Breakdown. Hey, this is Champion DJK, and you're watching Diecast Breakdown. That was good. That was sultry. Real good. You're watching Diecast Breakdown with Chuck Ellis, David Johns, and Mark McHotwheel. So sit back, strap in, and hang on. The breakdown starts now. Hey there, folks. Chuck here, and we are so excited today. We have one of the OGs of YouTube diecast collecting. Dave, you know him better as Champion DJK here on the old YouTubes, and you might have seen some of his work over at Lamley Group, and he's going to be joining us to talk about how he got started in the diecast journey and uh, what it's like creating content on youtube now and we'll be talking a bit more about that in the second part of the show but first i wanted to introduce my two co-hosts i am joined as i love always to be joined by my co-host mr david johns happy to be here guys and mr mark mccottwheel what's up everybody glad to be here and uh, mark what time out time out yeah we nailed it <laughs> we did it only took 18 episodes. We'll throw a party here. We we actually got the full thing in. And thank you. So, Mark, things are looking a little Spartan over there. Like, that, you even packed your ball cap, it looks like. Yeah, I got nothing. It's all packed away. It's just trying to <laughs> move. I, I think this is the first time we've seen your hair on the show. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, probably for the show. I've only yeah. been for the, literally a couple of videos on, on all of my videos. I've had no add-ons. So. I do have hair. Yeah, I know. Yeah, you just never know. proud of that, man. That is quaffed. Yeah, got a haircut today. That's why I just have to show it off. So, nice. Yeah. I'm, I'm due he, for he's myself. a dapper down man. Indeed. And we hope you're feeling dapper as well. Let us know in the comments how dapper you are. Yeah. But uh, before we get too much further into the show, gentlemen, what is exciting you in the world of diecast this week? David, thank you for that, Chuck. We do have, we got some cool stuff coming out. Always got to give props to Matchbox Man. He's got a great channel on YouTube. He sends diecast breakdown. A lot of picks. Check out this X-Car Toys model coming out. This is called a Tank 300. What is a Tank 300, you say? Tank 300 is an SUV for the Chinese market. They make them in China for those guys over there. And I believe it's only sold in China, but it's a 
vehicle from a company called Great Wall Motors. If you like weird stuff like I do, here's a vehicle that's sold in China for the Chinese market. Up next, Street Weapon has some really slick new Mercedes-Benz 140s. Look at these guys. These things are slammed. They only have 500 of each color, one blue, one white. Really amazing reproduction of a Mercedes-Benz 140. Last thing I've got for you guys is a new diecast brand to me, Wildfire, a 2004 Honda Odyssey. We're going to stick with the slammed motif. Look at these. These are 199 each color. These are resin models, so they're not diecast, but we'll, we'll let it slide this time. These are coming out in June 22. Lowered, modified, custom rims. Honda Odyssey has never looked any better. That's all I got, Chuck. I'll turn it over to you and Mark. Oh, I only got a couple cars to go over here, so I'll take the reins on this. So we've got a Chuck-approved Scottsdale truck coming out. Yeah. Red in color. I'm not sure if there's any other colors. The one that they do show is red, and it's beautiful. And I can see Chuck yeah. driving That's along down cool. the road, a couple of bass and hounds in the back. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where you're going with that, but I'm curious to find out. going to end it right there. <laughs> And so that we're excited about that. It's jacked up. It looks really like something you would find over in the South. I, yep. You're not going to find that over in my area. It's not going to happen. So I'm excited about that. And then Mini yeah. GT is making their, foe, their first indie racer of all time. So open wheel, uh, all the open wheel fans out there, you got your first car to collect for that. And hopefully there's a lot more coming out so that you can fill your wall up with a bunch of open wheel cars. So that's pretty exciting. Chuck, what do you got? Super cool. Well, I am excited, as I often am, by our friends over at Greenlight. They've got a new set of Great Outdoor series coming out, and these are a series that of rooftop or truck bed tents attached to them. I think it's very fun. And I'm excited about this new set coming out at Series 2. They are going to be using the 1977 Dodge Ram Charger, which is not a new tooling, but they are going to be putting on its roof a new rooftop tent that is a new tooling and looks very cool and is an as you can see an orange ram charger with a orange gray and black tent a very cool look and as the owner of a 77 dodge truck very excited to add that to my collection as well also speaking of green light they have got themselves i, I mentioned earlier in the series that i was excited about the florida highway patrol Mustang that they got coming out. They are going to be in their Mechanics Corner series releasing a version of the Hot Pursuit Central Command with the Florida Highway Patrol livery. I don't know. It's made up to look like a Florida Highway Patrol station. Yeah. So I think that's very cool as the resident Florida man. They are also going to be releasing a version of their 1990 Ford LTD Crown Victoria with the Florida Marine Patrol, which is a very similar to the black and tan setup, except it's a black and gray in that Florida livery. So those are some things that are exciting me, and those are some things that are exciting us in the world of Diecast. So what's exciting you? Let us know in the comments below. But for now, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about the world of sharing your passion on YouTube. So stick around. We'll be back with more Diecast Breakdown after this word from our sponsors. Diecast Media Network is proud to participate in the Diecast Day of Giving, October 15, 2022. Join us in sharing the love of this community with those in need. Learn how you can join in this international event, no matter where you live, at hotwheelsforhope.org. That's hotwheels, the number four, H-O-P-E, dot org. 
Here's this week's small channel shout-out. DNC Diacast. If you have a favorite Diecast channel with less than 700 subscribers, and you'd like to see them highlighted on a future episode, email us at diecastbreakdown at gmail.com. Hello, this is Diecast Dude from the Netherlands, and you are watching Diecast Breakdown. We'd like to take a moment to thank our executive producer level patrons, First and 64th Customs, Video Geek Productions, Jonathan Von Nesh, Donald Rashik, and Twice Diecast. Please stick around till the end of the episode for our full list of partners and learn how you can support this project at diecastmedianetwork.com. And now back to Diecast Breakdown. And we're back, and right. we are going to be talking a bit about YouTube and sharing your hobbies on YouTube. I actually just got back from a conference in Phoenix called the Creator Economy Expo, where it talked about people who want to do a little bit of what we do and maybe turn this into something a little more than just something that we do in our spare time and take a little bit more professional approach to it. And as you may have picked up along the way here, we're trying to take this pretty seriously. And we really appreciate those of you who have stuck around with the show and are supporting it so far. And we are really thrilled with where it's going. I wanted to explore it a little further. So I bought a plane ticket and snuck my way into this conference through a friend. And um, we're going to talk a bit about that. But first, I wanted to talk to David and Mark a little bit about your channels, because you both have been creating content on YouTube now for a few years. And David, we'll start with you and talk about your experience and what led you to create a YouTube channel. Great question, Chuck. When I got back into diecast collecting, I started meeting friends. We all do the same thing, right? We all look for diecast channels that we like. We, if we are so inclined, we start leaving comments for the video creator. And lo and behold, I started interacting with some other viewers and started swapping cars with people overseas with brands that I had never heard of. It was awesome right up my alley getting stuff from who knows every corner of the world and eventually some of my friends were like hey i'd really like to see all this cool stuff that you're talking about why don't you make a video and i said there's no way i petrified took a little gentle nudge to do it but did it and i haven't looked back really just enjoy sharing the content with you guys and i think that's what drives a lot of YouTube channels is the creators just like sharing the knowledge they have and maybe the gifts that they've received because it's an acknowledgement to the giver as well as how cool and how much joy it brought. And that's kind of where I came from my origin story, okay, my YouTube channel, Chuck. So I've always in their love entertaining people and no matter what I choose to do, because I've got, I may branch off into something else eventually and start more channels, who knows. But when I got heavily into diecast, like, like I am now, I just didn't see the big, there's a lot of seriousness and in, in, in everything. And of course I want to bring my sense of humor into it and people seem to really take to it. So getting into it, people really liking the videos and the positive feedback. And then just to keep my channel to be a positive place for people in the community to come to. No negativity and name calling and a lot of stuff you see in a lot of other channels. Of course, as channels grow, it's harder to keep track of that stuff and stay on top of it sometimes. But but yeah, it's just a place that people can come, have some laughs, and check out some cool Dobsons because that's primarily what I love. 
And it's been really fun. And of course, I've taken a little bit of a hiatus lately, but I appreciate everybody checking in on me, making sure I'm good. But sometimes you just need a little bit of break. Got a lot of things going on. Still making time for this show, of course, because this is a mm-hmm. huge passion of us, the three of us. Of course, I'll always make time for this. But yeah, just it's a lot of fun. And it has a lot of ups and downs. YouTube sometimes with people that try to come in and be negative, but I just have to shake that stuff off and just focus on helping people because, mm-hmm. you know, it's a really cool community. So uh, I encourage everyone to to at least give it a shot. If, you, if there's something you're passionate about, just share it with the rest of the world. Do you think they're going to like it or not? As the great bullet Taylor Swift said, the haters are going to hate. So shake it off. Yeah, shake it off. So shake it off. And both of those speak very true to me. I come from a production background. I come from a family that did lots of plays at the church and did lots of uh, design stuff. And hey, I know that logo. But yeah, so I just came to this out of a place of depression, actually, where I was feeling creatively unfulfilled with my work. And I was remembering the fun that I had when I was building model cars and the community that was around that. But I did not have the space or the scope to do that kind of hobby anymore. And then I discovered people were customizing 164 scale cars. And I was like, okay, that's a little more space conscious for me. So I can make that work. And I got into it. And as we are going to talk later with the champion DJK, just was pleasantly surprised with how nice the community is for the most part. And everybody seemed really supportive. And so I kind of dove in and I know we get a lot of questions. I know I do. And I know you guys do as well from people that are saying, oh, well, I would like to start a YouTube channel. I just don't know how I don't have the gear. And honestly, folks, you don't, you've got a phone. If you got a smartphone, whatever it is that you're watching this, this video on, you can make a show on, even if it's just plugging a webcam into an old computer. I started with a nine-year-old Mac mini that had iMovie on it. And I was shooting on an old cell phone that wasn't even connected anymore. It just had Wi-Fi, And uh, I was connecting through Google Photos. I would shoot the video on the phone and then upload it to Google Photos and then download it onto the Mac mini and make my video. There's so many resources out there. And even then I could have gotten a, an editor on my phone and done it. And there are some, Gary Shorter is a guy that I've referred to a lot. And he's a guy who's really doing a lot with no computer at all as far as sharing his customs and you just press record share what you enjoy about the hobby and there are as i've clocked it over 500 just customizing channels on youtube and most of them are very small most of them are sub 500 sub 700 subscribers that's why we do the small channel shout out and we try to draw attention to not just customizers but collectors who have channels that are interesting as well and thank you to everybody who emails in at diecastbreakdowngmail.com with suggestions we really appreciate those please keep those coming at this conference youtube is of course a very central part of the creator economy so is tiktok so is instagram and uh, all of us are active in various states on all of these except i think maybe tiktok i don't know mark might be out there dancing the night away i don't know but <laughs> There you go. So I think the big thing for you, the advice that I have for people, and this was the advice that was shared frequently was don't, don't drop your microphone is rule number one. (laughs) Yeah. Don't drop your mic. That That was a mic drop moment. So the the number one advice is that was a mic drop. All right. Uh, End of episode. You've got to care about it because if you get into it and you're just trying to do something that everybody else is doing, or you're trying to imitate somebody else, you're going to get burned out because you're going to be 
acting in a way that's not your authentic self. And you might think, well, my authentic self is too obscure, too silly. Silly works. Authenticity works. Faking it doesn't work. The audience can smell fake anymore. We're pretty savvy to it. And it's all about finding the people that like the same things that you like in the hobby. I mean, there are folks like Quirky's Garage that he just does. Yeah. Quirky Garage 1999. He like his stuff is right up my alley. It's all really weird, obscure stuff. And he's only got a few hundred subscribers. He's doing it and he's sharing it and he's involved. And we now know about him because of it. And, And I think the big thing for me in the community and for a lot of us, I think is just being able to be like, Hey, I'm here and here's what I'm excited about. And do you like this too? And we, and folks in the ADHD circles call it the, Hey, I found this cool rock and thought of you kind of approach to things. Just like being excited and being unashamed to share it is I think the first thing that you need to know about creating videos on YouTube and bringing that enthusiasm and letting the audience find you. I did some research while I was at this conference. Hot Wheels says that there are 15 million Hot Wheels collectors in the world. And that's just Hot Wheels. So there's a lot of us out there. And there are a lot of us with a varying range of collections. Hot Wheels estimates the average collector has over 1,500 cars in their collection. Which I thought that number was shocking. That's a lot of diecast. Hot Wheels makes 500 million cars a year right now. Actually, in 2021, Hot Wheels was the first, it was the first year Hot Wheels by itself was a billion dollar brand. So this hobby is not going anywhere. Like if you go and you look online and at Hot Wheels posts, you can find them on Mattel, but the sales for Hot Wheels just keep going up. And so the people are out there, the people are out there and they're interested. And like... Like when we started this podcast, like there's still, I think, a need for more content out there. There's people that need to share what they know. And Mike Zarnock got to where he was because he had a large collection and he wanted to share what he knew. And nobody else was doing that. And there's still, I think, time to get out there and create that channel and start building your building your community connections through creating that content through getting involved you know again dave at champion jd djk is going to talk about this later but getting on like the facebook groups or getting on an instagram comment thread or finding a forum commenting on the lamely group block making yourself heard and saying hey i'd like to talk about this and and it's great for folks like me who are naturally introverted he says to a podcast audience, for me, it's a lot easier for me to talk to somebody if I've got something to talk to, or I've got a reason. And that's why we're here. We got a reason to talk to you. And that's that we love any cars and you do too. So it's, it's really about, and again, Dave talks about this, finding your way as you get starting the videos and the first video you're going to make, it's not going to be that great. And it's probably not going to be what your end goal is with the channel, but you got to figure out what works for you. And the big thing at this show that everyone kept saying was you've got to make a hundred bad videos and get those out of the way. Like that was the drum beat, make a hundred bad videos. And yes, I think most of us, I, I think I'm the only one here who has yet to make a hundred videos. So I'm, I'll be making a good one any day now, guys, I promise. But anyway, it's, it's just interesting. Like the, uh, the other big takeaway that I got from this that I thought was encouraging like everybody looks at like, you know, your Mr. Beasts and your PewDiePie's and you go, oh, well, they got a hundred million subscribers or they got 50 million subscribers or 30 million subscribers. So 
Guess where the threshold is to be in the top 10% of YouTube creators. Out of 100 million plus YouTube channels that create content, what's the subscriber number? Like what subscribe to get in the top 10% of, of content creators on YouTube, what do you think your subscriber number would have to be? Mm, 10,000 uh, subscribers. Millions. So champion DJK, he is in the, he is in the top 10% of YouTube creators period out of a hundred million. It's doable. So he is in the top 10%. Jakarta diecast project. He's in like the top 2%. Like it's, it gets very narrow at the top and he's got the biggest channel out there. And even that you think, mm -hmm. okay, well, 1.3 million subscribers, yeah. that's not that much compared to all these other people I follow, but we don't realize that that air up there is so rare and we're all following the same one or two percent of people unless you're like me and you've got like a thousand people you're subscribed to because i'm trying to subscribe to every diecast creator i can yeah that's the thing and the other big takeaway too was don't get so lost watching other people's videos that you forget to make your own and right now i'm in a situation where i don't have a lot of free time so i know i am way behind on a lot of my friends videos and i feel really bad about that and i try to when i can pop in and i'm like andrew we talked with andrew over at maple leaf customs i don't like watching videos unless i can sit down and watch the whole thing and make some meaningful comment. And that is to my detriment. I tried for a while to, to, to just hit the watch later thing. And once that got above 3,500 videos, I had to stop adding videos to that. But yeah, so I think the big thing for me to encourage people is to go out there and make that video, make that account, yep. make the Instagram account, make the podcast, make the YouTube channel, make the TikTok video and put yourself out there. And don't worry, like we said, the haters are going to hate, but at the same time, until you get to that level, like I, I think really until you really start to get up to that top 10%, the worst thing that's going to happen is people are just going to ignore you because you're not what they're interested in. And that's fine. You need to get past those people. You need to make the hundred videos to figure out the hundred pieces of content, the hundred Instagram posts, the hundred TikToks and make that happen. But if you're going to do it, you got to, the best time to plant a tree is 10 years ago. The second best time to plant a tree is today. And I'm hoping that the people who listen to this go out there and they take out their phone and they take that picture or they take that video and they start planting that tree. And I think you're going to find that while it is a lot of work, it is a lot of fun too. And to do that and do it consistently even if you're bad at it, if you set yourself out and say, I'm going to make one video a week, it's just like saying, I'm going to do one push up, and then I'm going to do 10 push ups, and then I'm going to do 15 push ups, and you just keep going and you build that and you get those 100 videos out of the way. And, and when you start doing it, email diecastbreakdown at gmail.com and we'll do our best to encourage you along the way, whether it's from a shout out on the show or by making a post about your video. We love sharing stuff on our community tab. If you haven't seen that, be sure to subscribe and check out our community posts when we can. We try to give out shout outs to folks that we think are interesting and are underrepresented in the, uh, in the culture. So check that out. All right. Well, we are going to take another quick break here. And when we come back, we are going to be joined by Mr. Champion DJK himself. One of the rare few of us who has managed to get his name on an actual diecast car. And it's not the story that you think it's going to be. So stick around. Don't touch the dial. Diecast Breakdown will be right back after these messages. 
Diecast Media Network is proud to participate in the Diecast Day of Giving, October 15, 2022. Join us in sharing the love of this community with those in need. Learn how you can join in this international event, no matter where you live, at hotwheelsforhope.org. That's Hot Wheels, the number four, H-O-P-E, dot org. All right, guys, it's Mad Vision here. You guys are watching Diecast Breakdown. And now, the thrilling conclusion of this week's episode of Diecast Breakdown. We are really excited today because we are joined by Dave. You know him better as champion at DJK. Dave, how are you doing today? I am doing quite well. Thank you for asking. We were we were talking earlier, like the one of the OGs, at least as far as creating content on YouTube. Heck yeah. To, to talk about Diecast cars, you were definitely one of the first places I subscribed about, I think, a little over two years ago when I started following the hobby on YouTube. And I think probably one of the most recognized as far as catchphrases and stuff goes, but we'll, we'll get into that in a little bit, but first let's talk a little bit about you and where your love of diecast started. Sure. Well, I mean, like most people probably from childhood, right? I mean, I loved hot wheels when I was a kid, just laying on the carpet at my parents' house, just rolling them around. That's basically how it always started. Just fantasizing about driving the cars stuff like that and then wanting to get more and more of them and that's i think like most people that's how this hobby started and then you get older and you see them on the pegs and like man those things are still cool and then you start buying one or two and because they're only a dollar they're a dollar and then for some people like me it just snowballs that's basically it always love cars never been able to like afford getting something really cool it's fun just to have thousands of little ones Exactly. Was there one in particular as a child that kind of like, you were like, oh, this is amazing. Well, like the standard poster cars of my childhood, the Ferrari Testarossa, the Lamborghini Countach, the Porsche 959. And those are castings of Hot Wheels that I collect and I try to get every single mm-hmm. variation that's been out and uh, the Volkswagen Beetle, stuff like that. Those are cars that I had as a kid. Those are cars I dug as a kid. Those are cars I still adore now. And uh, so that basic, those basic castings from Hot Wheels are really marked my childhood and uh, really still influenced the way I collect today. Yeah. And I noticed you, you're into the eighties Firebirds too. Yes. Eighties Firebird too. I can't, can't leave that one out. Of course, Knight Rider was a very beloved show of my childhood. Dave, <clears throat> hey Dave, did, 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 was there a, like a gap? In your collecting, like a lot of dudes, we put them in the shoebox at the top of the closet for your late adolescence. <laughs> and then I don't know what, what gets triggered in like early adulthood, man. We just like get pulled right back into them. Do you have any kind of story yeah. like that or? Yeah, kind of. I mean, so yeah, there was obviously the major gap between being a kid, collecting cars, collecting Hot Wheels, and then being an adolescent and uh, I played music. I've been in bands and stuff since I was like 14, 15 years old. So I got really hard into music and just obsessed with guitar and stuff like that. And uh, that was really the only thing I cared about through Like I quit sports, I quit everything, just played music. And uh, that was pretty much all I cared about through college and stuff like that. And then after college, just buzzing by a target, I'm like, man, these Hot Wheels look really cool. And they they look really cool now. They look a little bit different than they did back when I was a kid. But I mean, man, they have so many cool little models and so much cool stuff. Pick up like one or two just to have and squirrel away. And then my parents were like, we still have your old Hot Wheels collection sitting in the basement. 
And I'm like, okay, cool. So I got those back and I'm looking at those. And then I'm starting to look up lists online, like checklists and stuff for what's out. And I'm like, I think the big website back then for a reference would have been the South Texas Diecast website. I think it's still around. You guys may be aware of it. There wasn't really like a hot was Wikipedia or Wiki or whatever. And that was the go-to website. Um, as a resource, so I started looking at that and then I realized, okay, and this is 2007. So this is the birth of the super treasure hunt that same year. So then I'm looking at treasure hunts and supers. And it's funny because I remember like looking at eBay at the time and I was like, oh man, people are actually spending like, like $20 to buy a little hot fields. I mean, these people are insane. And then you look where I'm at now, but just so, so I did that for like two years, I was kind of buying random outfields and kind of collecting them and doing whatever. And then I took another big gap for about six or so year, probably 2014. And then I was big in like, I was watching YouTube and stuff like that. I kind of wanted to start maybe a YouTube channel. I thought that would be a fun thing to just try just to do whatever. And I came across, and I was looking at Hot Wheels again, I came across race grooves and he was doing case unboxing videos of Hot Wheels. And I'm like, oh my God, there's like a science to this kind of like there's so there's case codes, there's certain assortments per case, and you can figure out what to look for in the stores. I'm like, oh, that's really cool now with YouTube that you can do that. So then I'm like, oh, I'll buy a few hot wheels here and there. And then it literally, like I started a channel, I made one video and I put it up and I think I got like a hundred views on my first video I put up. That was really kind of a joke. Like I put it up and I just to see if I could upload something to YouTube, basically, there was like, I was having a party at my house. Like there was people drinking around and all sorts of noise in the background and all this stuff. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to shoot this video. Blah, blah, blah. And I did, and it got like a hundred views. And I was like, oh, wow, that's really cool. I got a hundred views. Maybe I could do something like this. And then I started thinking of ideas for videos and stuff like that surrounding Hot Wheels. And uh, yeah, I was really dead set on, I'm only going to buy $1 mainline cars. I am not going to buy anything else. I'm spending a dollar a car and that's going to be it. And that's going to be all I have in my collection is that. Well, same here. Obviously that didn't work out so well. <laughs> so how's that working out? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, now it's working out pretty good. You know, it's pretty cool. Like there's so many cool things that have come out of this hobby. So many Things that I've learned, people that I've met that have just way beyond anything I could imagine this hobby would have turned into. Dave, speaking of your first video, I went to your YouTube channel and went all the way back to the first video. So I always love to go back to people's first video to see the progression. So I don't know if it was that, that same video where you're at the, like there's a party in the background. I didn't notice any of that, but what's the progression been like? Have you gone back to some of those old videos in the recent future just to see what the progression's like and the change over the years has been? Not really. I mean, a while back I did do like a person who has a YouTube channel comment collected. He interviewed me a while back and he dug up that old stuff and showed clips of it. And I was like, oh my God, it's kind of, <laughs> but it's just crazy how that stuff changed. Like I was doing like PowerPoint presentations in the beginning with casting and comparing it to the real car and talking about that. And I was like, even reviewing like fantasy castings and stuff at that time, I was like, I was going to do this like educational on this thing. And from where my channel's at now, it's just completely different than what it started out as. So. Yeah. Things yeah. change. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Figure out what, what you like, what you want to do, what other people like. Yeah. Big time. 
And that's interesting because we're actually, the topic of this episode is going to be about creating your personal YouTube channel and sharing in the hobby by sharing videos. So as somebody who's been doing this for seven years, and I think there's, you're hard pressed to find many that have been doing it for more than two. There's a few that have been doing it maybe three years. What have you noticed that has changed since you started uploading to YouTube, as far as the community and creating content around a diecast goes and what have been some of the things that you've noticed along the way that have helped you with growing your channel? It's really kind of interesting how it has developed from the beginning. In the beginning, a lot of the YouTube content was, and Lamley wasn't even really doing videos at the time that I started. He would do one every once in a while, but it wasn't like the Lamley YouTube channel is what it is now. So back then you typically, you had race grooves for like your unboxing content. You had WTFOR, who is famous for his Hot Wheels Museum, basically focusing on the Blackwall era of Hot Wheels. And then you had me and you had other guys that mostly were almost like just sharing trade videos, like trade unboxings. Like you send me a box, I send you a box and we show the contents of it live. And then of course, then you had the in-store madness stuff that started people hunting Hot Wheels on video. And that kind of all happened at once. Now a days, it's kind of different. And I will admit that I've kind of lost touch just due to the fact that now I've got kids and I don't have a lot of time to consume a lot of content on YouTube in regards to the diecast thing. I've lost touch a little bit with what is all out there. No, but I mean, obviously we have Lamley pretty much dominating like the new Mattel stuff that comes out and he does a great job of it and it's completely cool. But, and, and then you got, I guess I kind of sit on my own little place with doing what I do. I'm sure there's other guys that, that show what they got every week or do other stuff as well. I just, I'm probably a little out of touch with who's out there, but yeah, you basically have that. You don't really see like the community as it used to be, which were, was like people just trading back and forth and showing like trade boxes, at least not that I've seen, but lately. So it has changed a bit in that regard and it's gotten, I don't know, more professional. I mean, you got guys like you, that are doing like a video podcast kind of stuff. It's definitely like exploded. There's a lot more content to be consumed now regarding diecast than there was before. So that's one thing. So Dave. One of your, uh, you have been such a instrumental creator for a lot of us to come back to the hobby with those gaps that we're talking about when we, now that we have a little pocket money to buy cars. And what I like about your stuff is you pay homage to some of the people that have influenced you. I'm thinking of your tagline, free the peace. Tell us where that came from yeah. and why it's kind of stuck with you on your videos as long as it. Yeah. So free the peace is from my good buddy, Lamar. That was his YouTube channel name. And he, in the beginning, when we were all kind of, kind of this group of people trading back and forth and whatever and whatnot, and watching each other's videos, commenting on each other's videos, he stuck out because he was showing stuff that nobody else really was showing at the time, at least not that I was aware of. He was showing Kyosho, he was showing just all these off-brand stuff, and he seemed to have really good knowledge of the real cars and stuff like that. And he was really all about, you need to open it up and look at it. Right. And his tagline was free the peace. Like we're going to free the peace, you guys. And then he would go ahead and he would open up whatever he got. He didn't care about chases or anything like that. He would just show cars that he thought were really cool, app accurate replicas of the real vehicles and all that stuff. So he was really into that. He's a major influence 
on getting me into non-Mattel brand diecast, real replicas, not necessarily things that are originally purposed as toys. Yeah. Chuck, Mark, I was watching some champion DJK videos and he referenced Lamar and I went to Lamar and I found some of his old videos and that's what started the whole, I'm all about the Japanese brands, the weird Hong Kong makers, all we of that. We didn't that at all. <laughs> that is all I'm about really, Dave. I, I appreciate you telling the story. story. <laughs> <laughs> He's like more than you never know. That's right. Yeah. And it's a slippery slope. Because <laughs> you start finding stuff and like, oh my God, oh my God, I'm going to look at everything Kyosha's ever put out and I'm going to make a wish list of everything that they put out. And then I got to find all those cars and they ain't cheap, especially if you got to get them shipped from another country and all that. So yeah, right. yeah, it gets, it gets a little nutty quickly. So Dave, I was watching one of your recent, I think probably your very last video, I think the one you just put out on the 510, five. Chuck has that for me. He's going to send it to me because I was at work that day and I was fingers ready and I lost, so, uh, but he was able to get one, but I'm not even going to reference. I'm just referenced that car. I'm not even going to talk about the car, but I just wanted to talk about, it seems like you like some of the older stuff more than the brand new stuff that's out somewhere in the 2000, early 2000s. Is it, does it, what's your favorite era of cars? It seems like it could be in that type of maybe even late nineties, early 2000s. What's your favorite? I, I would say really probably my favorite era of Hot Wheels is like the Blackwell era, actually, because that's stuff from my childhood, right? But that's more of my favorite era. I do end up picking up a lot of stuff from that, those other things, because there's certain castings that I collect that had several variations in those time periods. So like the Ferrari Testarossa that we talked about, like the Lamborghini Countach, the Porsche 959, the 80s Firebird, the Hot Bird, those Hot Wheels castings that are near and dear to me, the Volkswagen, the VW Bug, uh, those castings had a lot of variations that were in that era. And it's kind of neat too, because there's some forgotten castings from that era and you can still kind of discover stuff that's old that nobody's really talking about now because it's older and it's not the hot thing today. But I like the new stuff too. I do. I love a lot of it. I mean, there's a lot of really cool stuff, especially in Hot Wheels Premium. Like the quality of the stuff that they're putting out now, as far as from like a proportion casting, casting proportion perspective, the stuff they're doing now is pretty amazing actually. So. I mean, I'm, I dig all of it. That is my big problem though with diecast collecting is I just, I like too much stuff. It's hard for me to say no sometimes. So. Yeah. We'll send you some stuff if you need some stuff. I mean, <laughs> he clearly doesn't have enough stuff. I mean, I do. There might be an open spot here and there in a box somewhere. I, <laughs> but yeah. Well, I noticed you had one of like, uh, probably from again, probably in two early 2000s, you had the little two pack. The Hot Wheels box of, it was like a Camaro, I think, or was it a couple of Camaros? It was a, are you talking about the Hot Wheels 100% stuff? Cause that was a yeah. Firebird. Yeah. It was a oh, Firebird in a Dodge Challenger. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the Hot Wheels 100% line, which is a defunct line from Hot Wheels, but I definitely recommend if you're a 164 diecast scale collector, you should probably check out that Hot Wheels 100% line. It's something that's very different from anything Hot Wheels has ever done. And, uh, kind of like the OG, like true 164 scale yep. replicas, even though they may not have been really true 164 scale, but they were definitely made to, to look accurate, not given that kind of Hot Wheels artistic thing when they were designing the casting. So 
Yeah. Very cool. Yeah, I have some of those. It's in fact, if you need anything specific or as I can say Pacific, there's a garage sale place nearby for me. And there's a lady that has this whole garage full Uh-oh. of what die cast because she had a hobby shop and it's got tons of those. But I, I go in there and they're not cheap anymore. They're 20, 30 bucks could be up to 40 and you just want to grab all of them. But you're like, I don't, I don't have nearly that much money. on And this might be a topic for later, but I'm cheap. I really yeah. am. Believe it or not. <laughs> I try to, that's part of the fun of hunting for me is hunting bargains. Like I, bargains. Yeah. I am a bargain hunter big time when it comes to die cast. I mean, I try to go for a lot of content to share on the YouTube channel and add to my collection, but I try, I have very strict limits on spending and, um, and that's actually kind of makes it fun because I have to pick and ch- that's the only thing that's making me pick and choose basically. Cause I like too much stuff is uh, do I want to spend this much money on this when I have this sort of budget? I was out in Phoenix for a conference and I made it over to this place called the Cubbyhole collectibles and toy pimp had some consignment stuff out there and he had a bunch of Tamikas. And I was, and David and his love of all things premium and all things Japanese based finally did it. I took the plunge and bought a $35 car and I was like, what am I doing? And then I and I was like, this is probably the most beautiful vehicle I own. And it's a Datsun pickup truck with a camper back. So it's, <laughs> but it's a TLV. I can't remember. It's, it's atomic limited. Vehicle. Yeah. It's, it's a, gotta be. Yeah. It's the red be. one that has the white back, back with the little porthole camper thing. Oh, have it. Yeah. Yeah. I know exactly what you're talking yeah. about. Yeah. I was just like, oh, that looks so good. Like I just, and I'm a sucker for anything seventies economy, malaise camper. It was like all wrapped into one. And I was like, <laughs> all right, I'm going to do it. And it was just graying on the shelf. Yeah. Calling you. Actually, <laughs> it, it kind of was because it's that bright red and he had, most of them were in boxes and it was one that was sitting up on the, on top of its own box. And I was like, Oh, Jeff, you're going to get a lot of my money today. And he did. Yeah. But then uh, you realize things like, oh my gosh, the spare tire under the car is also rubber. Like, okay, yeah. okay. I can kind of see why the, uh, and the lines on them are yeah, so good. Does lower down? No. No, the jack doesn't need work. I was like, are you kidding me? I can't take I think- little tiny lug nuts off. Uh, anyway. <laughs> so yeah, it's weird. I'm with you on that, that like, I grew up with. A dollar car and you think in your head these are dollar cars and then it's something that i think you have to want you reach a certain level of collecting and then all of a sudden it's like you know maybe I, maybe there is a space in my shelf for a, a something like that because you get to this level of we've talked about this before on the show but the quantity aspect of it, it's very easy to build a massive collection of main lines and then you're yeah. stuck yeah. with a bunch of main lines and you've got probably doubles triples quadruples because you forget what you have or you just kind of acquire them because, oh, that's a good price. And if you're like me and you're a customizer, you go, oh, well, I need spares just in case something goes wrong. So yeah, it can get out of control really quick, but uh, yeah. So let's talk a bit about 10 car Tuesday. Where did that come from? Literally that was birthed from me transitioning from a combination loose and carded collector to a full on loose car collector. So. What it was, okay, well, I've got all these cars that are carded and anything from now on that I keep in my collection is going to get freed from its packaging. So I went through, it was a weird transition. So I went from, I was all carded and then I realized what, 
all these vintage cars and stuff I have, I'm never going to find these carded in good shape for any sort of affordable price. So that's kind of what was the trigger point for me because I'm like, if I'm going to go one way or the other. And the, the other thing was, I had to stop buying two of everything. Cause I'm like, I'm not going to buy two of everything to have one loose and have one carded. That's just insane. Especially when you get up to a certain amount of cars where you have like thousands of cars, it's like, it's absolutely insane. So I'm like, well, I need to open all these cars. And then I thought, well, if I'm going to open all these cars, I might as well do it on a video and talk about them while I'm opening them. So I'm like, well, what would make sense to do that? And that's kind of what 10 car Tuesday came from. I'm like, well, I can open 10 cars at a time. We'll arrange them in some sort of like theme. And uh, we'll just kind of try to come up with a new episode every week. And I did that for a long time. And then it just got tiring trying to do that, which I still have. I don't know, probably at least 20 episodes worth of stuff to my right here that I still need to do, but that's the reason why I did it. It's just because I needed to open those cars and I figured I'm not just going to do it by myself. I'm going to do it on camera. So that's where that came from. So is there anything you want to crack tonight? <clears throat> but before we get into that, I want to preface this with saying, yo, there's not a lot of guys out there that get their name on either a card or a car. And I'm talking to the viewers now. We've got one in the house tonight. Champion DJK has a shout out on an actual diecast thing that was sold in stores to everybody. Dave, you got to show us your personal shout out and uh, give everybody the scoop on how that came to be. Oh man. Okay. Well, first of all, it was a complete shock. I'll tell you that right off the bat, because I was not warned that it was happening. The first time I saw it, I thought somebody made a custom because I, I was not, I just didn't know. I didn't know that this was going to come out. Johnny lightning released in their street freaks line. This, oh, here we go. Yep. This man, Chevy G20. So this is a street freaks 2020 release two. These are very limited. There's only 2000 of these. So this is the uh, version A. There's a version B. The version B doesn't have the bumper stickers on the back, which has a shout out to my channel. But yeah, I had no idea that, was, that it, this was happening. It kind of came to be because Mike Grootheis, who is a designer for round two, watches my channel. He's commented on it a few times, kind of chatted with him on Facebook a few times. Super nice dude. We're friends on Facebook, all that stuff. Um, and so he's a designer for it and he's, he watches the channel. And of course, because I've been such an auto world fan for such a long time, that's probably what got them, any of the guys from round two attracted to my channel because I've been praising auto world for a very long time. That's like the first premium brand that I ever got into was auto world. And then I came up with the nutty idea. We're getting aside here, but I came up with the nutty idea of trying to collect every single release from auto world, including the ultra reds, which we can talk about that in a minute, but he decided to go ahead and put my channel name on a, on a van. He knows I love vans and he made it kind of fun. So on the back, it says 10 car Tuesday on one of the bumper stickers. It says free the peace on one of the bumper stickers. The license plate says champ DJK. And then that says, thanks from JL, 
on one of the bumper stickers. Thanks from Johnny Lightning. And then the best one, though, is my other car is an auto world. It's on the back of one of the bumper stickers. That's amazing. I mean, literally, someone sent this. He's like, what is this? What is your, is this your, is this a shout out to you on the back of this? I'm like, no, I don't know. What is that? Is that a custom? Like, what? I mean, and I'm looking up that. I'm like, does this really exist? I'm trying to find pictures on like eBay and stuff of this release because it had not come out any stores near me or anything like that yet. And I'm trying to find it on eBay. I'm trying to see where they can see pictures of it. And then like, you can kind of see on the card that it's got the bumper stickers and the artwork. So you can kind of see it there. And then I went back to a round two for you YouTube episode where they talk about the new stuff that's coming out for whatever month it was. And Chad Reed, who does those videos, he's the social media guy for round two. He was doing that video and he said, oh, we got this with some really cool bumper stickers on the back. And they teased it, but probably knowing that I would see it. And I was just like, I was on, I was shocked, completely shocked. And then of course my parents had to buy one. Like I'm getting relatives calling me trying to find them, but they're only limited. They were limited to 2000 pieces. They're actually kind of difficult to find right now on eBay. So yeah. And I'm lucky enough to have the white lightning, <laughs> by the way, round two, never sent me one of these. Let's <laughs> get throwing that out there. I ended up getting, ended up trying to find as many as I could. I never found one, which is fine. Cause I don't find anything in stores lately. That's a whole other topic. But so I never found one in the store, but I did have two people come up to me with white lightnings and they basically gave them to me for like super good deals. One of my buddies, Shresh, I think found one and he gave it to me for like 20 bucks or something like that. That's awesome. Which is a great deal on the white lightning. Yeah. But I figured today, this is a white lightning. I've been meaning to open one of these up. Boy. So I think what we should do is I think we should crack one of these. If you guys want to do the math on how many there are out there. So this is limited to 2000 pieces. The white lightning is 2% of the production line. So there are not many of these out there. And normally for Johnny lightning or auto world, you're going to have 2% of the entire or the auto world's 3%. Anyway. Johnny Lightning, 2% of the production lines, normally you'd take 2% of 4,000, but they did a different white lightning for the version B than the version A. So there really only is 2% of these 2,000. Got to add the drum roll in here. All right, these out there. And I have two of them. Last chance. We should, yeah. I've been meaning to open one up. I've got one in a protecto here, and then I've got this one. So we are going to open it up right here on Diecast Breakdown. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, look, at it. Uh, look at it, Claire. Freedom, free the there. Just look at that. Oh my gosh. It really is. Maybe not too much. It, it's awesome, man. Like just yeah. Let's see the bumper yeah, stickers. Factor. See How, let's see if you can see them good. Here, let's see if we can get a focus on this because we have to get in there. You can see it better. There it is. Probably on this. Let's see if I can get this camera. There you go. To focus. Yeah. So there you go back there, 10 Car Tuesday, all that stuff. So yeah, without a doubt, major highlight. Let's see if we can get the folks back now. It's funny because that cool. was actually that round two. I know exactly the round two video that you're talking about because I was just kind of getting into the hobby then. And that was how I found your channel, actually. Was, <laughs> I was like, wow, they're doing like a YouTube creator is getting shout outs in their video. Okay. Oh, yeah, man. I was just Pretty literally cool. shocked. And the fact that there's so much thought went into it. 
is really flattering that they, that he picked a van because he knows I love vans. And I, it's a casting I collect from Jeremy Lightning. And it just was really cool. It just shows you how kind of cool this diecast hobby is. It's just super neat that a lot of the people that I've been fortunate enough to meet that are like in the industry or have always been like super down to earth and really nice. And that's just a cool, that's a cool thing. So yeah, we just opened a white lightning, very limited one. Probably like a freak one of the only ones that's ever been opened up because any kind of limited right. production card just doesn't get up. I'm sure all the Johnny Lightning executives are watching or they will when this publishes. So they'll probably send <laughs> yeah. you about five or 10 to replace it. They better. I mean, well, it's funny <laughs> we, when we had, uh, we had Brendan Vitusky on here and when they did his car, he couldn't even get a version yeah. of his own car yeah. when it You're came out. You're a good out. company, Dave. Like yeah. he had to. Like fighting, yeah, he had, <laughs> he had to wait until his until he was at a convention that the local Walmart had overstocked their shelves, and he was able to go in and actually buy one himself. Like people sent him them, but it was not from the company. So that's funny, but yeah, it's kind of fun. I mean, it would have been kind of cool to just find it on my own in the store. That would have been hilarious yeah. if I would have just discovered it. What like, at the store? Like, what is this? Oh my god! But the way I found out was. It was hilarious. I mean, it was so shocking. So I'll never forget it. So very cool. Dave, you talked about the community and I think I've been in a lot of communities. I, I come from like the big car community, drag racing, car shows and model building, like 125th scale model builders. And as car cultures go, Diecast has this unique feel to it. Like it's, it feels a lot more warm and accessible. Like people seem friendlier. Like, what is it that you think is so special about the community in this hobby that, that brings out this kind of attitude? It's hard to put a, put your foot down on what exactly that is. I don't, I don't, I don't know. And I guess I could say it is a very positive hobby, but there's definitely, there's a dark side to sure. it too, right? As there is in a lot of hobbies, it's, I think it's, there's a group of people that if you like die cast, you collect die cast. It's like, you can't almost take yourself too serious because it's, you're collecting little cars, right? And then like, you guys are all kind of sharing in that passion of, wow, oh, they're making this, they're doing this, this is really cool. It's kind of like a comfortable space where, I don't know, I don't want to say you can be immature or maybe just tap into that kind of childhood wonder, mm -hmm. not to sound too cheesy or whatever, like tap into something dreaming about your childhood or dreaming about owning a vehicle that, you know, that you'll never maybe afford or own in real life or just kind of the rush of finding something or hunting something down and talking about that and kind of just, it's just, it's probably like a lot of other communities where you just have something in common with these people. We come from many different walks of life, right? But we all kind of have this one thing that we do. And there's a lot to talk about surprisingly with diecast. I mean, obviously you guys are doing a podcast about it. I mean, it's just, it's hard to really say, but in my experience, it's more, I think the bond is just the fact that, Hey, we're all kind of tapping into our childhood at some level and collecting these toy cars and kind of finding the camaraderie in sharing that hobby. I think that that really sums it up. And the benefit of us being a little bit older now is if we want to if we want to trade, we want to buy things for other people. We can do that. We've actually got money instead of being five years old. And you've had some sure. yep. amazing unboxings of gifts from friends. I've watched plenty of them and I yeah. drooled over my keyboard. Talk about maybe one or two of the best, just unexpected gifts from other collectors that kind of blew you away. 
honestly, there's been so many. There's been, I've, people have been way too generous to me in the time that I've been on YouTube. Like just, there's been a lot. I like, it's, it's hard to mention one without trying to like, think of all of them. And it's impossible to think of all of them because there has been, I've been lucky, very lucky to have so many. I mean, there was this one guy that sent me like two giant boxes of like car culture cars and all this other stuff that a bunch of auto rooms, you just basically get it out of the hobby and sent me all of that stuff. That was absolutely insane. There's been, there's just been so much. Yeah. It's really hard to, it's, I did bring out two things to talk about. Um, just because this isn't somebody that sent me it. This is somebody that I know that's somewhat local to me, but his name is Shresh. I mentioned him often on the channel. Originally when I met him, it was at a Toys R Us before they closed down. And he was over here from India. He's on a work visa and was only supposed to be here for a short period of time. And he's still here actually now, thankfully I'm still in the U S and so he, he hunts a lot more than I do and still does. I mean, and he's crazy about it. We still, we talk almost every day. He talks about what he found at target and all this and blah, blah, blah. Well, anyway, he found like almost back to auto world ultra raws and I have both of them. So one of them, he basically, he straight up gave me as like a Christmas gift. And the other one, he traded something for me, but he basically gave it to me. And they're both from the same release. I got a Mustang Mach 1. Raw. Very cool. So if, for the viewers, if you don't know about Autoworld Ultra Raws, I would say or argue that these are the ultimate chase car from any diecast yep. manufacturer, considering the fact that the majority of them are one of 10. So they only make 10 of these suckers out here in existence. If this is the only loose one, that means there's only nine more packaged to crack open if I have to find them. But yeah, to have him find this on the pegs and just be generous enough to be like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to give you this one. We, I think this is the one that he just gave me, but he literally found these back to back, like one night after another, which is absolutely insane. And he was very generous to give those to me. I mean, and other than that, I mean, there's been so many, like, I really, like, I look around this room, I'm just trying to look around it and kind of see these different things that people have given me. There's another, recently, a guy named Steven gave me the RLC pink Mustang that I didn't have. I missed out of on an RLC. I casually mentioned it in a video and he ended up just sending me one. It's just, it's crazy. I still have... Like I used to have a really hard time, like accepting gifts and giving somebody my address to give me something. Cause I just don't feel like it's necessary. I mean, a lot of people I would assume don't feel super comfortable, like getting something expensive from somebody with the expectation of nothing in return, but I've gotten a little comfortable with that now, but yeah, there's just been a lot of gifts and I guess I kind of justify it by the point is I guess I'm putting out content or watching it. I'm not asking for any money for it, obviously. So I guess I can accept the gift here. And the other cool thing is there's been some hobby dealers that have, that have been able to work with me and they've given me gifts as well by providing, of course, like J card diecast recently gave me this ultra red. I asked him to send me the regular truck for a video and he could have very well said no. I would have still bought the truck. I would have still showed it on my YouTube channel, but him knowing that I'm going to do it justice and show it, he sent me the ultra red as well. <laughs> Surplus goodies has hooked me up a few times. This is actually an ultra red as well. 
of his exclusive trucks. So I've gotten some help from some hobby dealers. Yeah. And it's just really cool. So yeah, there's been an amazing amount of generosity. So it's really hard there enough. Yeah. I mean, that, that answers the question. And to the point, honestly, it's just like Chuck was talking about, it, it's going to be hard for you to convince me that we're not in the best hobby community. Yeah. There's some bad apples, but I mean, just the majority of folks are decent and late. What I've learned with my channel is people love giving, like it makes people feel good. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to ask for stuff, but I'm not going to turn down the chance for someone who wants to do that. And like, like as an act right. of appreciation, heck yeah. Yeah. And it's hard. It's, it really is hard to say yes. And you want to say yes, cause it's like, let's buy out the grid, give me something for free. It's pretty cool. But then it, it's, I kind of, I feel guilty every single time. <laughs> It happens. There's just a little bit of guilt there. Like, oh man, I don't really deserve that. That's crazy. But, but yeah, I, I've gotten a little bit used to it. So now Dave, you were talking recently in that 510 video, that goal, the 510, whether you weren't sure if you're going to keep it or not, if you decide to not keep it, I mean, I'll, I'll be willing to take an extra one because Chuck is sending me one, but yeah. uh, I'll take, it's very nice. I'll free it. <laughs> that, that's, that's so nice of you, Mark. Yeah, I know. I'll take it. Yeah. <laughs> That's the generosity of the hobby yeah. in action. Way to step up. Taking <laughs> the Porsche right now. It's, yeah. I might keep it. I don't know, but <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> so, so as somebody who's been collecting for a while and you kind of touched on this a little earlier, the current state of hunting and I got into it again a few years back and started really like going regularly to stores until I realized even in a relatively remote area like Gainesville, Florida, like there's still like, I was talking to one of the clerks at Walmart and they were like, yeah, there's five dudes that show up every single day when this store opens and go straight to the diecast section and just raid it. Doesn't matter. Every single day. As someone who's been in the hobby for a while, was that always the case or did you notice it back then? Or you know, like, what do you think has changed besides just the obvious like supply chain issues? What... And this does kind of delve a little bit into the part of the hobby that nobody likes. What, what do you think has changed? Yeah. Well, I think it speaks to the overall growth of interest in the hobby. Um, when I first started like the YouTube channel back in 2014, it, there was only a few other collectors around this area that I even knew of at all. I'd see someone occasionally at the pegs and hot wheels, but. When I would go to Walmart, I would do it. I'll go to Walmart. I would pallet raid. I'm trying to find boxes and whatnot. And I was, when I would go there, there was nobody else doing it in this area, really. I mean, there might've been somebody maybe every once in a while that would pop by this area and do it. But as I think the popularity of the hobby increased, all of a sudden now it's like impossible. There's, I, my competition in this area is absolutely insane, but actually it's kind of a good thing because now that I've got all these people that are interested in the hobby, it's more people to talk to. And now that we've got like a local club kind of thing, it's just more people have joined the hobby. And for the most part, everybody's really cool. Like we said, it's a good community. I don't really have any, I don't think like hardcore, like scalpers in the area that take every single good casting off the pegs yet. So I don't really have to deal with, but for me to try to like get the upper hand and find a super around here is mm -hmm. it's nearly impossible. And I've come to terms with, you know what? That's fine. I don't need to spend all the time 
running around trying to find it. It was fun for a little while. It was definitely fun. I loved doing it. I'd get together with my buddy Todd. We'd hop in his car. We'd go hit like four Walmarts and have to drive kind of far to hit all four. And we might find something at night on the pallets. And that was fun for a while. But then he kind of, I got kids now and stuff like that. So I can't exactly ditch the family every night and go do that. But there's other people now that can. So it's good for them. I'm glad they're finding stuff. It's good to find stuff and it's pretty cool. And then these people find stuff and then they're not going to hang on to all of it. So they usually end up selling some of it. And with gas prices is what they are right now. It's like, just kind of spend the money and just buy what I want instead of worrying about trying to find it. So that's the way to go. All right. For well stats. Yeah, for, uh, I agree. Well said. For those that don't know, Champion DJK is a pretty regular contributor to Lamley Group. Like the, uh, is it like his blog or is it, what is the actual platform? Well, it's, well, Lamley Group is the Lamley Group okay. website. Yep. So right before pandemic here came down, he put out a post on Instagram looking for Lamley contributors because Basically what has happened is the blog is where he started, right? And that's where he started. And then he ended up growing into this YouTube monster and that YouTube thing took off so much that he basically started ignoring kind of the blog and wasn't really taking pictures as much anymore. Wasn't really, didn't have the time to write all that stuff, but he's like, I don't really want to leave that in the dust. I think the solution would be to maybe turn it into a forum for kind of a select few writers that would contribute to the blog. And he was just looking for people interested and I'm like, you know what, I'll shoot him an email. So I shot him an email and I mean, really beyond just commenting on a few videos, like he's, he'd comment, he had commented on a couple of mine. So he knew who he was and he knew who I was. And of course I knew who he was. And I shot him an email saying, Hey, I'd be interested in maybe contributing. And he was kind of all about it. So I'm like, yeah, that's pretty awesome. And, um, to be honest, I haven't, I only wrote like one article for it last year. That was it. And then I haven't done anything yet this year, just because I literally have not been able to like, just find the time to sit down and write. It's very difficult, especially having two young kids now to find much time at all to do anything beyond what I do with the YouTube channel. But I do want to contribute more in the future. We like talk every single day. Like we have a little group of people on this WhatsApp or whatever, little WhatsApp group that the writers, contributors talk to each other pretty much on a daily basis and kind of keep in touch with each other and stuff like that. And what's going on. I just haven't wrote in a while. I, man, I already know the topic of your next article, man. I mean, like we're here to solve problems for you. And uh, <laughs> I, I think. What? The daycare? No, it's why <laughs> Mr. Lamb, Lamley himself should be on Diecast Breakdown. That's no brainer. It's a first hand. You write about what you write about your experience. You're golden. I mean, have you guys contacted him? You should. We have tried. We have, we yeah. actually uh, yeah. interacted a little bit on some live videos and live yeah. streams and yeah. He's, he's a very busy yeah. dude. And honestly, we all, I mean, it's just, yeah. I mean, and he gets pulled in all sorts of directions as far as where the hobby goes. He's really got a vision and a, and a idea of what he wants to do with what he's got. And he's obviously been very successful in doing it. And I'm very thankful for sort of a friendship with him and to be kind of involved in stuff like that. So there's some cool stuff coming from him. I could tell you that maybe nobody else is aware of, but well, just very few people are aware. Tell him that uh, being on the diecast breakdown will take his career to the next level. We can <laughs> guarantee that. <laughs> wow. We're, we're such modest people. <laughs> next level of what? 
<laughs> we'll, we'll pay him an exposure. You don't, you don't have to clarify that, Mark. You just throw that we out have, there. We have dozens and dozens of fans. Yeah. You can start um, somewhere. Well, yeah, exactly. Hey, that's that's why we're here. We yeah. started in January and yeah. we're doing, yeah, it's been fun. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Uh, and that's the thing for me too. Like, I'm like you, I like sharing things that I'm passionate about. I like talking to people, meeting people who also share the hobby because I, eventually you get tired of hearing that's great deer after you, you open up a box from eBay. <laughs> no, you don't understand. Yeah. This is the Ertl Blade Runner series. Yeah. These are really hard to get. And I got it for like 10 bucks. Yeah, and now we just yeah. hide the box. Yeah, true. Maybe get yeah, mailed to the neighbor's house and sneak it. <laughs> Please note that I guess Breakdown does not take any responsibility for marital advice given on the show. Uh, anyway. All right. So before we wrap up, we got to do the part that I know Mark absolutely loves, which is talking about your top five favorite diecasts of all time. Top, it's impossible. I'm guessing Porsche 959. I'm like literally going to refuse to do this. I can't. Okay. <laughs> I, 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 man. No, I, I literally can't yeah. do it. I can't do it. Like I, oh, I, hey. I have a top five. Mark, look, look Mark cringes favorite. every time we ask that question. Let's go. Hey, let's yeah. go this yeah. route. I, let's go this route though. What about one car that you would like to have that's not out there? Is there any? A car that and, uh, I would yeah. like someone to make. Yeah. Whether it exists or, or it doesn't exist. Well, there was one in particular, but now it's getting made. And I got to think that I might've had just a slight amount of something to do with that. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe that's thinking too much of myself, but it's something I've suggested several times when it has come up in the auto world collectors group on Facebook, which by the way, if you're an auto world collector, by all means, you definitely have to get into that Facebook group because it's fantastic. The designers from round two are in there and stuff like that, or some of the people are, and they do pay attention to what people are posting. So they occasionally come up with what cars do you want to see done from Auto World? Every single time I selected a Dodge Caravan. Oh man, I was gonna say don't say the Dodge Caravan because oh my gosh, that's amazing. And they're doing it. I know. We had an eighty-five. My my parents had an eighty-five Dodge Caravan, and they're gonna have it made as a diecast. And I'm like, oh my, holy cow! It's so amazing, right? I'm like, like I, a turbo I made, one. I made a case for it. I was like, it makes so much sense. Mm -hmm. There's so many different variations of it that you can yeah. do. There's all this different color options stuff. You guys have such a ball doing it. I know it sounds like a risk, but it would be very popular. And I think it's going well, to be very. Yeah. And everybody our age either had their parents had one or they had a friend whose parents had one. And, and Mark, to answer your question, it was 1991 was the only year that they did the turbo. Gosh, I remember watching YouTube videos back when YouTube started or the one like that would just did like. 10 second or 12 second quarter the miles and just yeah it's insane you could because you could just turn the boost up and the engine would just take it oh, man. it was those were, were insane and and you could get them in a five-speed manual too which was That's insane five-speed manual turbo from the factory i'm on it i'm gonna own one <laughs> yeah you got to man that and the toyota sienna that had the supercharger those were neat sleepers but yeah the reason why it's near and dear to me is actually not because my parents owned one it's because it was like my first vehicle in high school. Found one for cheap and yeah. I needed something to move. Shag gears, shagging mm -hmm. wagon, going to little local shows. And it was the Dodge. Actually, it was a Plymouth, Vo Plymouth Voyager, 1987 Plymouth Voyager. And that thing was nice. Beautiful. And I miss it. But <laughs> a lot of street rails on that, Greg? 
<laughs> oh yeah, all the time. <laughs> yeah, no, that thing was yeah. gutless, completely gutless. Yeah, but yeah, like, that but you could take both the seats out. Oh yeah, in seconds. Yeah, and yeah. the the configuration that I rolled around with it mostly was just the back bench seat in, so mm. the middle one was out, and then yeah, it was a fun fun vehicle to have in high school for many right. reasons. So <laughs> my, yeah, yeah, my friends in college had I had a friend in college that had a ninety two and in his apartment in the living room were the two bench seats and we had a couch in the back of the caravan right sideways so you could sit and stare sideways out the window and get good and car sick on the interstate but yeah we lived like kings (laughs) (laughs) yeah but yeah i would say all righty well dave we are at time but it has been an absolute delight chatting with you today and uh, we'd love to have you back on if you'll have us and uh, talk more about diecast cards with you before we wrap things up uh, beside the youtube channel of course so where else can people find you follow you all that good stuff instagram of course everything's at our champion djk so instagram facebook guess i have a tiktok i've done a couple of videos on there and tiktok uh, dance and then uh, youtube so youtube facebook instagram tiktok champion djk you can find me on there awesome well again thank and you then of so course much. there's a lamley contributor up oh, yes of course <laughs> <laughs> we will get him on this show <laughs> all right dave well yes he's he, i've got this like little list right here <laughs> we got mike zarnock dang it if we can get you we can get lamely on the show all right this is absolutely fantastic i gotta tell you guys that it's a, it's really cool to see that you guys are doing this and uh and now i've listened to two episodes i'm definitely gonna back catalog and go through the other stuff well thank you and appreciate that it's fun. all right well that was fantastic dave is a awesome guy and a pillar in the diecast creator community so i really appreciate him taking the time to join us and chat with us about his passion and guys i don't know about you but that was just really inspiring as someone who is in this hobby and enjoys creating content as well how about you i knew he was going to be good all davids are let's just be frank about that but he did blow it but he killed it he killed it he's a super cool guy very interesting love the stories Hope you guys enjoy what has to be one of the rarest unboxings live on a YouTube show. Pleased to present that to you. And so glad you were here to join us for the fun. Yeah. Yeah. David hit it right on the nail on the head, the nail on the head of the, it is what it is. It was in the box in the, on the shelf under the, at the end of the day, the end of the day, brass tag. Anyway, it is what it is at the end of the day. So yeah, no, it was a great interview. I loved it. I love that he's just a real relaxed dude and it's really easy to talk to him. And you can tell he really loves diecast. And then the, we didn't get a whole view of his room, but it's completely covered. Right. The walls are completely covered of loose cars. And so it makes me just kind of want to, after this, crack open some cars and just, just open them up. That, so, let me go ahead and where that term comes from. So it comes from Dave. No, I agree. Yeah, he was an influential uh, part of my early forays into the hobby. So it was an honor to talk to him. And, and yeah, that I uh, was not go. expecting us to have such a rare free the peace on our show. So that's very exciting. And we're very grateful to him for that. But again, if you have any questions, comments, thoughts about the show, please leave them in the comments below. We love reading your comments. If you get a chance, check out the audio version of the show on your favorite podcast providers. You rate us on Apple Podcasts. I will add two cars to our Hot Wheels for Hope pile. I've got a pretty good pile going and I want to add some more to it. 
So again, thank you to them. Thank you to the patrons who are supporting the show. We really appreciate it. And if you want to learn more about that, you can visit diecastmedianetwork.com to see the different ways that you can support the show, whether it's buying merch or through our Patreon, or you can hit the little join button down below. And while you're down there, hit that little subscribe, the bell, the thumbs up, all those little buttons we love when you push them. And it gives Mark a little tingle, and we appreciate that. And like his little magic finger that's also put away along with his baseball cap. And uh, no idea where it is. So it's out there trying to free itself from the box, because I'm pretty sure that thing is alive. But... (laughs) <laughs> so anyway on behalf of myself and the rest of the diecast breakdown crew we are so glad that you joined us today be sure to stick around because we got more great diecast stuff coming right up and until next time stay fresh cheese bags yeah, yeah cheese bags yeah.